God, thank you so much for your presence with us in this place. God, we are encouraged by you, we are blessed by you, and we are excited to hear from you once again out of your word. Now, this morning, as we look towards a new year, our prayer is that you would, you would guide us, that you would direct us, you would shape us. God, at the beginning of this, this Sunday, last year, 2017, we prayed that we would look more like you today than we did then. I pray that that is true, and we pray that again today, that we would look more like you at the end of 2019 than we do right now at the end of 2018. God, would you continue to grow us, continue to, to challenge us and shape us? But God, this morning, as we, as we pray every week, would you speak through me? Don't let the words that are coming out of my mouth be, be mine, but would they be yours for your people on your day? God, this is all about you, all about you. We give you praise, we give you glory, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody love a good story? I do. I love good stories. I, I, I love to hear good stories. I love to tell good stories. It's always fun when you get together with people and you know the, the phrase comes out, let me tell you about the time, and then that, that story just kind of fleshes out. I love those stories. Or do you remember when you get together with, with a bunch of people that you've known for a long time and Maybe you've done this recently with family during the holidays. Do you remember that time when? And uh, I love stories. And uh, we all have stories like that. We all have stories where uh, there was a problem and I overcame it, or there was a goal and we achieved it, or uh, we made the right decision on this, or the best ones are like that one time I did something really dumb. Uh, those are the best stories to tell, the most fun stories to hear, right? Uh, but all of us, all of us have stories in our lives that we love to share, that we love to, uh, to, to own. Uh, unfortunately, all of us have stories as well that we'd kind of like to leave out. We'd probably like to leave out some, some chapters of our lives, maybe, some, at, least, at least some stories of our lives. Uh, we're maybe embarrassed by them, or uh, we just really wish we'd never been involved in that stuff that we were involved in. But, but what's so interesting in each and every one of these stories is looking back and seeing the, the seemingly insignificant decisions that were made way back when that had a very significant impact on our lives now. I mean, I look back, and I look back, the, the most glaring example to me from my life is when my family moved from Payson, Arizona to Bakersfield, California in the middle of my seventh grade year. I, I think of that decision, and then it's easy to look back and play the, play the what-if game, or, or what would things look like now if we hadn't done that kind of thing. That was a, that was a profound move, uh, looking back over the long, long term of my life. That was a profound move for me and for my family. And so I, I, I'm not here this morning to play the what-if game. It's not healthy. It's not a good thing. But, but I'm just saying, look at the, I'm sure you could point to the, some of the same moments as that. What some Something that at the time seemed pretty insignificant, but looking back, you can see that it was a very significant piece of what was going on in our lives and what is going on now in our lives. Like I said, that's the most glaring example from my life, but 
I think the, the question I want to talk about this morning is this. I want to kind of talk about this together. Are there some decisions that we could make today that will affect our lives positively and in a way in which God can move in and through us this year? Like I said, I think there's, there's sometimes the, the decisions that we make in the past determine the story that we're going to tell in the future. Right? The decisions that we've made in the past determine the stories that we're going to tell in the future. I, I talk a lot about story. I love story. But one of the things I always talk about is we are, we are telling a story with our lives. No matter the way that we live, we are telling a story with our lives. What story are we telling? Are we telling the story that God would ask us to tell? Are we telling the story that God would have us to tell? Are we telling a story that points to God? Are we telling a story that points to something else? I want to I maybe look at some decisions that we can make this morning that would affect the story that we're going to tell in 2019 and beyond. How many of you make New Year's resolutions? No one. All right, just a few. All right. New Year's resolutions are usually, you know, they're, they're financial or physical. Most of the time they're physical. I want to lose a certain amount of weight. I want to do, you know, so many, run so many miles this year. Or financial, I want to save so much money this year. I want to, you know, have so much put away towards retirement this year or whatever. There's all these goals that we can make. But I want to look together at, at some spiritual kind of resolutions, some spiritual decisions that we can make today for the upcoming year. We can look short term, we can look long term, but I want to look at, at four resolutions that we can make together. And part of this is going to be sort of reviewing places that we've been this, this, this last year, but I want to take a look at this. Here's, here's resolution number one, and, and I don't want you to make all four of these resolutions. I want you to make one of these resolutions this year. And if this sounds familiar, it is familiar. We've done this before, but I think it's important. Here's resolution number one that you can chart. You can start. You can <laughs> start. Start. Start something new. Start a new discipline that helps our lives tell the story that God wants us to tell. Now, discipline is a, is a normal, resolu- normal New Year's resolution. I want to be more disciplined this year. I remember my first, uh, my first ministry job out of college was I was a youth pastor in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, me and the pastor that I worked for were the two most opposite people that you could find ever. Right? We had opposite work styles, opposite relationship styles, opposite everything. He was a very type A disciplined person. And, and one Christmas, he got me this book. He just felt like I wasn't a very disciplined person. And so he got me uh, The Power of Discipline, Seven Ways That Can Change Your Life. He, he just thought I needed to be more disciplined, and so he got me a book on discipline. Of course, you know, we're, we just, we're completely opposite people, but that's how he read me. He just thought I was a very undisciplined person. But discipline is something that we normally talk about in New Year's resolutions, but I want to talk about, about a spiritual resolution. How do, I, how do I become more disciplined spiritually? 
You know, in our, in our stories series, just a couple months ago, we talked about the story of Daniel, Dan, in Daniel chapter 6, uh, and I'm going to be moving around scripture a lot today, so if you want to chase me, you can, if you want to go along with me, you can, but I also didn't write down all the page numbers, so I'm not going to be able to tell you where I am, but I'm in Daniel chapter 6 right now, and in Daniel chapter 6, we know this story as Daniel in the lion's den, but Daniel, there, the king makes an edict, and it says, anybody who does not worship, or Let's see here. <coughs> Verse 6. So the administrators and satraps went to a, as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue a decree and an edict to, and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. We kind of know how the story goes here. We know that, that Daniel, as he hears this, there's a, uh, there's a verse, verse 10. Here's what it says. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. And there's this line here, just as he had done before. At some point in Daniel's life, he had made a decision to be disciplined about prayer. At some point in Daniel's life, we don't know if it was weeks or months or years, it could be decades at this point in his life, he made the decision that he was going to go into his room, open the windows toward Jerusalem, and pray three times a day. No matter what, no matter when. So the king issues a decree that says, if you pray to any other god but me, you will be thrown into the lion's den. And what does Daniel do? Just as he has done before, goes to his room, opens the window, begins to pray three times a day. Why? Why, why was he so strong in that? Why was he so disciplined in that? Because at some point in his life, he had made the decision to start a discipline. He was going to start praying three times a day, every day, in his room. Well, Pastor Chris, what discipline should I choose? What disciplines are there that I can, that I can choose, that I can start this year? Well, lucky for us, Jesus gives us some disciplines that he wants us to have in our lives. In, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins preaching about really three different disciplines that he doesn't, he's not, he's not asking us to do. He's expecting this to be a part of a Christian's life. I'm going to talk about these three this morning. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So here's what he says. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, I want you to notice the semantics of Jesus here. Jesus doesn't say, if you give to the needy, do it in secret. It's not if, it's when. When you give to the needy, when you give, do it in secret. When you give, do it in secret. 
I think uh, that, that, that it, it's such an important discipline to have to start giving, to start being a, a generous person. Yeah, in, the, in, in, in the Bible, we call it a tithe. We talk about giving as a tithe. And you know, one of the things we, we talk about in terms of giving or in terms of any discipline is when, if you start, just, just do a little bit at a time, just, just so you can get used to it, right? Give, give a little bit. We talk about when, when we read our Bibles, just, just start reading like one paragraph a day, and it'll grow, and it'll grow. It'll start growing on you. Soon enough, you'll be, <clears throat> you'll be reading a chapter a day. Soon enough, you'll be just be, be wanting more and more. You'll just develop this hunger for more of God's Word, right? The, the same can be said of giving, right? Giving, we, can, we start with what we can give, but God wants us to give. There's a, there's a passage in Malachi. If you're wondering how important giving is to God, here's what it says. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And you think, you think about how serious giving is to God. He's, he's not just saying, you, know, you, sh- you should give to me. You're robbing me. But how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? You're... If there's, if there's not another passage that, is, that, that just gives you more insight into God's view on the discipline of giving, it's right there. Matthew chapter 6, when you give. Maybe you want to try another discipline. He keeps going. Verse 5 in Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, <clears throat> do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Again, Listen to the words of Jesus. It's not if you pray. It is when you pray. Prayer is something that is expected of believers. It's, it's something that's expected of people who claim to know Christ. And that makes sense. In any sort of relationship, there has to be communication. Right? If, if, if I was in a relationship, in my relationship with my wife, Rachel, if we just never talked and never communicated, our relationship would not grow. In fact, it would probably deteriorate right in front of our eyes because we're not communicating. We're not talking. 
<clears throat> the same can be said of our relationship with God. God gives us ways to communicate with Him. We hear from God through His Word. We speak to God through prayer. And just think about that sentence that I just said. We get to speak to God through prayer. And He hears us. And He wants to hear from us. If you heard nothing else, that is just, just let that sit on you this morning. Just the fact that the God of the universe who created everything, who created you, created me, created the world, loves you, loves me, loves the world, this same God wants to hear from you. I mean, that just gives me chills this morning. Not only does he want to, he loves to hear from you. And he wants to speak to you as well. When you pray, we need to be praying specific prayers. God knows what we desire even before we do. Even before we utter the words, he knows what is going to come out of our mouths. We need to be praying very specific prayers. We need to be praying bold prayers. There's a saying in, in uh, one of the books that I've read called Circle Maker. It says, bold prayers, I'm sorry, God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Is there anything in our lives that could be described or explained other than the fact that God acted and God moved? Are we praying for anything? in which only God can do. Pray bold. Pray big. Pray specific prayers. When you pray. He keeps going here, Jesus does, in verse 16. When you give, when you pray, verse 16, and when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I think fasting is probably one of the most misunderstood disciplines in our faith. And probably one of the most underused disciplines in our faith. Fasting, though, is not just something that, that is an if or a maybe. He doesn't say if you fast. If you choose to fast is when you fast. I'll tell you, fasting, if you, are, if you are wanting to hear from God, if you are just hungry for the, for the word of God, for a word from God, there is no better way to seek that than through fasting. Fasting has been huge in my life and in my spiritual growth. Anytime we've had a major decision, coming here to be the pastor here, we fasted over that. We prayed over that. And God moved. God spoke and said, this is where I want you to go. Fasting has been, been a huge part of my life in and, and, and ways in which I, I don't even want to, want to share this morning. But God has, been, God has moved in my life mightily through the power of fasting. And so if you, I encourage you, to start fasting. 
Some of you may have fasted before. Some of you may not have fasted before. Fasting is a lot easier than it sounds, and it's a lot less scary than it sounds. But I want you to get involved. I want you to do it. I want you to try to fast. Even if it's just for, for a meal, or for a day, or for three days, or for however long you want to do it, fast and seek God. Because here, here's the whole point of fasting. His abstaining from from food or whatever you're going to abstain from and gaining your, your sustenance from the Word of God. When I fast, every time I, I should have eaten a meal, I make sure that I sit down and I open up the Word. Because the Word of God can sustain you. And it's amazing, as you fast, how much the Word of God really does sustain you. It's amazing. I I encourage you to fast. Maybe that can be the discipline that you're going to start this year. So, start. I know that was a long first first one. Start. Start a new discipline. Start, Start a new discipline so that God can tell the story He wants to tell in and through your life this year. Start. Here's... The second commitment we can make, choose to make, is to stop. Stop. Is there anything hindering God's story from being told in and through my life? Is there something in my life that I need to stop? Andy Stanley says this. He says, direction, not intention, determines destination. Say that again. Direction, not intention, determines our destination. Now, it's, not, it's not okay just to, I, I want to be there. I know there's this giant thing in between me and that, but, but because of my intention is to be there, I'm okay. No, it's about the direction that we're moving. We need to be moving towards that goal. If there's anything in between the goal, which is what? To fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith. If there's anything in between you and that goal, it's time to stop. It's time to stop. Maybe just ask yourself this question. If I continue down this road, if I continue down this path, what story am I going to tell? This is also not an unbiblical sort of thing to ask for. In Exodus chapter 18, there's a story of, uh, of Moses in Exodus chapter 18. And Moses is, is leading the people of Israel. He's leading the people of God. And uh, <clears throat> he's, he's brought them out. And his, and his father-in-law, Jethro, comes to see him just to kind of check on him and see how things are going. And so in, verse, in, in Exodus chapter 18, verse 7, So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into, tent, into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they have met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. It says, Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. 
The next day, Moses gets up and he begins to show Jethro everything that is going on. And, and Jethro just sees something is wrong. Something is in the way. Verse 15, Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Here's what Jethro says. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And he keeps going here and just says, look, this, you cannot do all of this. There is so much that is, that, that is on your shoulders. You can't continue to live this way. It is too heavy for you. You've got too much going on here. There is something in the way, and there is something that you need to stop. See, Moses' thing here, Moses' thing that he needed to stop, it wasn't even a bad thing, but it was something. That might be the case for you. Maybe this year you need to stop something. It might not even be a bad thing, but it's coming in between you and what God has for you. And maybe this year, the commitment you need to make is to stop. So start, stop. The third one is to stay. Stay. To stay when it would be easier to go. You know, so often we, we quit on stuff, and, and it's, <clears throat> it's hard to do sometimes. Because we, as humans, like the easy way out. And so sometimes, when it would be easier to go, we, we go instead of stay, even though it would be hard. There's a, uh, uh, a group that I'm in, an accountability group that I'm in, and one of the things that, that they say, usually the, the right thing to do is the hard thing to do. Usually the, hard, the right thing to do is the hard thing to do. And sometimes staying when it would be easier to go, is that thing. Right? We, we quit on a lot of things. When I think of this, biblically, I think of the story of Ruth. And Ruth, there's, there's, in Ruth chapter 1, Ruth uh, looks at Naomi, and she says, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Now a little background here. Ruth was basically a daughter-in-law to Naomi, and her husband died. Ruth's other son also had a daughter-in-law, and her husband died, so she had no more sons. And so she, Naomi, was going to go live uh, with another relative, and gave permission to both of these daughters-in-law to leave, which was good. According to the law, they could leave. But Ruth looks at Naomi, and she says, it would be easier for me to go right now, but I think the right thing to do would be for me to stay. And long-term, if you look back through the story of Scripture, it was the right decision. 
Matthew chapter 1, we get the, the genealogy of Jesus, and, and you never guess whose name is right there. Ruth. She stayed when it would be easier to go. She did the hard thing. It was the right thing. I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe uh, it's a job or maybe it's something else, but God is calling you to stay even though it would be easier for you to go. So here's the fourth one. Start, stop, stay. Fourth one, go. To go. To go probably when it would be easier to stay. Again, sometimes the right thing to do is the hardest thing to do. God is calling each and every one of us to do something. I don't know what it is for you, but I think for some of us, God is telling the story God wants us to tell. It looks like having to go, to leave the comfortable, to leave the known, to step forward. Sometimes to, to be able to step forward into God's plan, we have to step out of our security, out of our comfort, out of what we know, to be able to get where God wants us to go. Oftentimes, the place that God has us wanting to go, or the place that God would want us to go, looks a lot more uncomfortable than the place where we currently are. But we're called to go. We're called to go. I think sometimes we might need to, to leave the security that we find in the known and in the comfortable and just go. Again, I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if it's going to be easier for you to stay and you're supposed to go, or if it's going to be easier for you to go and you're supposed to stay. I don't know what God is calling you to this year, but I know he's calling you to something. But I want you to, to just think about those this week. We've got a couple days until the new year. I want you to make a resolution with me this year. Will you start? Will you stop? Will you stay? Will you go? Start, stop, stay, Go. Think about it. Pray about it. And here's what I want you to pray. God, how can I tell the story that you want me to tell this year? God, how can my life reflect you more this year? God, how can I grow closer to you this year? God, what would you have me do this year? God, you want me to start a new discipline. Which discipline would you have me start? God, would you have, would there be something that, can, that I need to stop? Would you show me what I need to stop? What is getting in between me and you? What do I need to stop? God, if I, if I need to stay, would you just calm my mind, calm my spirit, make it obvious that I need to stay where it would be easier to go. And God, if I need to go, would you just make it obvious to me, make it painfully obvious that I need to go and not stay because you want me to go. I want you to think through all these things. Think through your life. Again, I'm not, I'm not in all of your situations. I'm not in all of your lives. I can't pick which one for you, but I want you to think about that. And maybe it's even a different one. God is big. God is great. I know he can give you a different, <laughs> a different goal this year. Maybe it's not start, stop, stay, go. Maybe it's something else entirely. But I want you just to, to, to pick something for this year and just move towards it. Just go for it. 
and our prayer, as it was last year, that you will look more like Christ in this service next year than you do right now on December 30th, 2018. What will it be for you? Let's pray. God, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise for all that you've done in our lives, God. God, we look back over this year and we, uh, we're thankful for, for all the things that you've done in and through our church and in and through our lives. God, our prayer this year as we close out 2018 and go into 2019 that we would look more like you as we end 2019 and as we begin. We might need to make a decision this year, God, to, to start a new discipline. Maybe to stop something that's getting in between our relationship with you. Maybe you're calling us to stay when it would be easier to go. Maybe you're calling us to go when it would be easier to stay. But God, whatever it is, I pray that you would make it obvious to us and that we would just commit. That we would say, yes, I'm in. I'm chasing it. I'm going for it. God, whatever you have for me, I want it. I'm hungry for it. God, would that be our attitude as we enter into the new year? God, we love you. We give you all the honor, all the glory. It all belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And as you stand, let me just pray this prayer of blessing over you. Just hold your hands out and just receive this blessing. May our God, the God of grace and peace and love and joy, the God who sent us the light of the world, Jesus Christ, which we just celebrated on Christmas. May this same God go ahead of you this week, go with you this week, be in your conversations and your workplaces and your cars, wherever you may be. May he move in your mind and in your heart and show you how he wants to move in your life this next year. And may you have the courage and boldness to say yes and to go for it. May our God of hope and grace go with you and ahead of you as you go into your communities and may you make a difference for him wherever you may find yourself. Go in the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you for coming this morning.